Welcome to the All 49ers Show. Grant Cohn, Jose Sanchez. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Niners offense today because it's got so much talent, but Kyle Shanahan has too many ideas right now. I think he's kind of overwhelmed in all of his creativity, so we're going to help him sift through all of his many brilliant ideas and get the right ones to, to, so this team can score maybe 23 points a game instead of 22. Jose, how are you on this fine morning? I'm all right. I was talking. I was telling Ryan earlier, like how much I'm in a dilemma I'm in because I love the cold weather, but I also hate it because that means I can't get bald fade haircuts anymore. Because otherwise, mm. I'm just gonna cover up. Like, I see what you mean. What does it matter? I see what you mean. I'm preparing. It's it, it's. I mean, it's a fake one. Uh, it's my quality control jacket. If you have it, it says QC. You got a gold so that means one now? <laughs> I got a gold one. I've seen that one. I, I wear it when I'm feeling really confident. So today, I'm feeling good. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna be uh, schooling Kyle Shanahan on his offense. That's the verb he likes to use. So we're gonna help Kyle. You First question: the Golden standard, the jacket, the golden standard. Since uh, Kyle Shanahan can uphold it. Yeah, Kyle may be able to get a gold jacket one day, but not yet. He hasn't earned it yet. First question I have: Well, the first topic is a question for Jose. Is the strength of the 49ers' offense still the run game? Yes, yes, it is. It definitely is. If the thing is, it looks bad because, you know, when they're stacking up five to seven man lines and eight people in the freaking box, of course it's going to look bad. You got a numbers game at that point. And without Trey Lance to account for that extra number, then you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of very going up a, a uphill, an uphill battle carrying sandbags on your shoulders. So to me, it's like, Kyle, if you know this, you really want to run the ball, you're going to have to start passing more gotta step out of your element a little bit that's the thing that infuriates yeah. me. And that's why i think why i wrote the other day about is jimmy garoppolo having the best year of his career it wasn't so much that i believe so much tonight it's because he's playing pretty damn solid how about entrusting him a little bit give him a little hand on the steering wheel because right now you have jimmy garoppolo zero fingerprints on the steering wheel you're almost playing like you're scared for him to mess up the game which so far he hasn't done that maybe he's made some poor rpo decisions which sure great Miss some players in the fields, of course, and we know he does that. But ultimately, he's throwing the ball pretty fine across the middle, even to the sidelines and downfield a little bit. So it's like, how about let's get him going? Let's make the defense pay and make him off kilter by throwing the ball a little bit so that you can make your strength, become your strength all over again. Yeah, uh, I feel like the numbers kind of show that he – look, they're 20th in the league in yards per carry and third in the league in yards per pass attempt. So it seems like they're running too much and passing too little. And like, I, so I don't think that the strength of the team is running right now. Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey are good running backs, but the offensive line, like the right side in from Brendel, Burford, whoever they have at right regard, and then McK uh, McGlinchey, it's just not working right now. So they're kind of like left-handed in the run game. They run left more than any team in the league. Meanwhile, on offense, like they have playmakers at every single spot. McCaffrey, and we're going to talk about him more, is a legitimately really good receiver as a running back. They may have the best running back receiver in the league. Um, Debo's having a horrible year, but he's Debo. Ayuk's having a great year. Kittle's having a Kittle still Kittle to an extent. I mean, they have so many options in the passing game where like Jimmy can't really miss. And it seems like if you're going to force everything through your running game, um, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should just. You've, you've spent so many like dollars and resources on these weapons in your passing game like maybe pass the freaking ball maybe it's not like jimmy's i mean jimmy's not turning the ball over he's not great but damn i mean usually kyle shanahan would take the ball out of his hands and just run crazy when he didn't trust jimmy 
well, you can't really say that. You can't use that excuse now. Now I feel like he's just running because he's stubborn because it's his it's his pattern. Like look at your stats, look at your playmakers, and you know call the game accordingly. Mm-hmm. That's what I would and say. The book is out, right? Because we saw it in the NFC Championship game where it's like there's, this run game's going nowhere. Time for Jimmy to live up to it, and the dude just left so much to be had and wasn't even on it. But but. He's been on it this year outside of the Denver game. I mean, he's pre- been pretty much fine outside of the uh, the most egregious pick, number one, the Chiefs game, and the one pick in the Denver game. Um, the other pick, you know, the picks in the Atlanta game were bad, but one of them was like a toss-up, whatever. But ultimately, yeah, he's he's been fine. He's been pretty excellent. I, I'm teeting down the line back to where he played for um, in 2019 is that far. So to me, it's like Kyle's back to, again, just not trusting Jimmy. And it's like, well, Kyle, your offense the way you want the way you wanted to go now is not working. So for you to want it to go the way you you want it to go is you got to get out of tendencies. All right, if mm-hmm. we know what's coming, which <laughs> because I feel like it's like, oh, run play, run play, run. Here we go. It, give the ball more to Jimmy. Put the put take a risk. I know it's a risk, and I know he could probably be in for a back. So remember, throw on first down. Throw on first down. Yes, they don't sir. expect it. Dude, Do it. Yeah. Come next to my cousins i'm like opening drive watch run run pass it's like dude your your play it's not the plays that's predictable it's the it's yeah. the play sequence it's the sequencing it's yes, the sequencing man, you're out of rhythm and it's like they're expecting you to run on first down and, and you're running on first down plug, why plug on calling him adaptable he's not adaptable look i've already seen from the all 22 49er people on twitter show out that hey look it's the same rpo play over and over and over again in the rpo mm-hmm. and, and the charges adjusted by either putting someone out on the edge and it's like dude Pass the ball regularly. You don't have one of those in your arsenal. Like, are you serious? You don't have a single just shot play just to take? And I'm not talking about downfield shot, but just something to take? Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, this is on Kyle. And the thing is, like, let's 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 compare it to McDaniel. Josh McDaniel go, goes to Miami. What if Kyle were the Miami Dolphins head coach right oh. now? Would Tua be flourishing or would they be running the ball and he'd be like, you know, Tua, I don't trust you and we're not going to go down the field because I don't like your arms. So we're gonna. It, it almost feels like that's Kyle's personality. And you got McDaniel over there with a quarterback no one respected. And he's like, I mean, if you watch Tua highlights, it's nothing but 30-yard passes down the field. Oh, he's done. It's like, and they're not, he doesn't have anything on the ball, but they're relentlessly pushing the ball down the field. They're throwing the ball more than they're running it. And this is a run game genius understanding, hey, I think it's important to pass in the NFL. I don't know, man. I feel like if McDaniel were the head coach here, they'd just be more aggressive on offense. They'd be looking like they look in Miami. And if Kyle were in Miami, they'd be much more uh, conservative on offense and, you know, just running, running, passing. So, Kyle, adapt. That Everyone cops out, especially for Kyle, is, well... Like when Juwan Jennings had that stretch where he was dominating, it's like, all right, great. Now let's get your other players involved. It's like, well, they're defending the other people different. That's why Jennings is flourishing. It's like, so wait, you mean to tell me that the defense somehow has 18 people on the field where they can double cover Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle? Someone's running right open. Get out of here with that. I just watched the Cowboys doo-doo on the Packers with just one or two options on their offense and CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. I mean, other offenses who have lesser coaches are excelling. What's the Niners' excuse? So I just feel like the Niners are much more execution. Get that out of I think I think they're more execution. suited to pass this year. I mean, they got a quarterback who uh, doesn't want to do play action, so being under center doesn't really help. He's pretty good in the gun. You have five good uh, you have five good eligible receivers on any given play. 
And you got a guy with a quick release. So it seems like, you know, sacks haven't been a huge issue this year. The problem is when you try to run the ball because you don't have the offensive line to pull it off like you did in the past. You don't. And Chris, frankly, Christian McCaffrey, as good as he is, I still think is better as a receiver than he is as a running back. That's how I feel. But Elijah Mitchell kind of compliments him really well. They have good running backs. They just have the potential to have the kind of passing game they have in Miami. Now, two is better than Jimmy. Jimmy can't throw the ball down the field like Tua, but still, the Niners have the weapons. to, And they the, the stats prove it. They're third in the league in yards per attempt. They should be passing more. 20th in the league in, run, in, in yards per carry. They, shouldn't be, they should be running less. Corey Soto has an interesting question. I saw Lance jumping up and down on the sideline on Sunday Night Football. I thought this dude was supposed to be in bed for six months. <laughs> Guess I didn't understand the prognosis. No, it's like a eight to, to like, he's actually eight like to 12 week. Like a month already, right? Yeah, and what's funny is it seems like he's very subtly – showing people that he's making progress. I'm not saying he's ahead of schedule. I don't know what the schedule is, but he posted a picture on his Instagram of him standing without a cast a couple of weeks ago without a boot, and now he made it a point. I hadn't seen him at games, but all of a sudden on Sunday Night Football with the whole nation watching, he's on the sideline um, probably figuring that uh, the camera's going to catch him and he's jumping up and down. These seem like very subtle statements Saying, hey, hey, don't forget about me. I'm looking, I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe I'm misinterpreting uh, that. And I don't expect the Niners to suddenly go back to Trey Lance at the end of the season. But if something were to happen, to, something freaky were to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo like happened to Trey, I mean, how do you go to Brock Purdy if Trey Lance is cleared and wanting to play? That would be very interesting. And re- earlier in the year, I remember, I don't know if you remember, but I was trying to compare this team to the 72 Dolphins that went undefeated. That team, they had Brian Greasy, Brian, Bob Greasy. He broke his ankle. They had to go the rest of the year with a different quarterback whose name escapes me at the moment. He got hurt late in the playoffs. Greasy came back in like the AFC Championship game, played half that game, started the Super Bowl. So these things have happened before. Trey, stay ready. That's the only scenario I see Trey coming back, which that last. Of course. We have two more IR activations left, which is at that point, I'm not sure who else they're going to activate. So Kim Kimball's one. If he does two come more. back, Jesus. And two more. Yeah, but Two more. one of them's going to be for Kinlaw. That's going to be like seven. So then they have we have one more Trey Lance. The month. Yeah, those two, those two, I think would be the guys you're waiting for. So yeah, keep an eye on Trey Lance. It seems like he's starting to put himself back in the public eye a little bit more, which I like. It's subtle. subtle. All right, subtle. Next question. Um, so I tweeted yesterday <laughs> that Elijah Mitchell is the 49ers' best running back, and he should start. Jose disagrees with me i think so why don't we debate it jose tell me why i'm wrong because you're grant and you're always wrong apparently <laughs> according to all takes exposed <laughs> yeah pretty much no. <laughs> it's uh uh chris dude chris mccaffrey is just it's just a better look chris mccaffrey has a better chance one of the versions is uh, he's a better chance of taking it to the house you know elijah mitchell has yet to do that um <clears throat> mccaffrey from the rams game and even the last game i felt like wow he's getting close so it feels yeah. like he's about to rip this off and just for a huge gain or just take it to the house. Um, whereas Mitchell, it's like he's like the 10, 15 yard king, the five to 10 year, 15 yard king, which is fine. Running backs should aspire to that. And then if you can take them next level, great. But McCaffrey, better vision, stays balanced. Um, I know I got a game off with Ryan just now. He says, I think Elijah is just a little harder to bring down. He's a little more sturdier, which is like I can see, I can entertain. You know, he's a little harder to start to bring down, but I would say so is McCaffrey. There's plenty of times where people were swiping at his legs below the waist, 
and he was able to manage and, and get an extra three yards. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you of like Frank Gore, like Frank Gore falling forward, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think he's still the better back, more explosive, and that's where I pretty much like kind of that's where the three points where I see that he you know takes the ledge over Elijah Mitchell. Okay, fair enough. This is the way I look at it. You could make the argument that Christian McCaffrey is a better player than Elijah Mitchell because Christian McCaffrey, in addition to being a good running back, is an excellent receiver, and Mitchell isn't an excellent receiver. Uh, McCaffrey clearly is, and to me, if you have a pass first team, you put McCaffrey on a team with. Tom Brady or Drew Brees or any quarterback like that, I mean, you want that dude on that team. But this, you, Kyle, as we just talked about, he wants to be the run first guy, the run heavy guy. And I don't think McCaffrey is that guy. They're trying to use him like that guy, but he's not super big. He's not super powerful. We saw it at the end of the, like, the Chargers shut him down. The Chargers suck at stopping the run. And somehow, some way, they shut, they couldn't shut down Mitchell. Mitchell's just a little too powerful, a little too explosive. And so the way I look at it is on this team, as a ball carrier, it, it's, not a, it's not a fluke that Mitchell's averaging 5.4 yards per carry and McCaffrey's averaging 4.3. Still. So to me, I think Mitchell should be getting 18 carries a game and McCaffrey should be getting like 13, 14. I think that's fair because I think you can run Mitchell between the tackles, outside the tackles. McCaffrey, I think there's just specific ways you want to use him. In addition to the six to seven targets in the passing game, you, you want to give him as well. So maybe McCaffrey ends up getting more touches, but like if you're winning with four minutes left, man, I want Mitchell on the field, just like at the end of this game against the Chargers, closing it out. If you're at the goal line, I'd rather have Mitchell or Debo uh, in the game or Jordan Mason than, than Christian McCaffrey. So that's, those are my, that's my TED talk. No, you quarterback sneak it. Because Jimmy's like a thousand for a thousand. So first of all, he is the back. short yardage back on this team. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he's the short yardage back. Um, so, so I'm I guess gonna... it doesn't really matter who starts. It kind of matter who's who finishes or who gets more carries. I don't know. It, well, that that it's back to the 2019 debate, right? Why isn't Mostert getting started? And it's like who cares? He's, we know he's the real guy. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna test it. Mitchell was great game from being rested and the Chargers not preparing for that as well because there was zero film in him i know you can go back to last year but like how much time you're actually going to spend on film for one guy from last year mm. when like are you gonna worry about that's mitchell or are you gonna worry about mccaffrey so i would rather stop mccaffrey so i would love to have seen if, if mitchell had several games under his belt how that would have looked so that's that's what i credit to why he was so efficient i'd say he's not bad because he probably still would have had a solid game because he's sweet back both of them are yeah um, what i want to say real quick is aren't they a great duo oh that's fantastic man they're, they they're really complement each other I'm trying to think of who else is like a fantastic duo. I remember like last year it was. It was I got one. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Now. <laughs> yeah. In Miami. Those the Niners and, and yeah. Dolphins may have the two best running back duos in the league. And you know what? <clears throat> They're kind of similar in the way like. So Jeff Wilson's a newcomer on the block. And I guess in a way McCaffrey was. But now it's yeah. Elijah Mitchell. The newcomer got the more efficient, more reps. Because I think. Wilson's out snapping Mostert now in Miami, but yeah, I think, as he should. Yeah, Wilson's yeah, in his prime right now. Yeah, you, you know what? I remember last week we talked about, and I wrote about it. The Niners got to be more mindful about how they use McCaffrey. They can't make that Rams game be the standard because my God, you're going to freaking pile drive this guy into the IR. So let's relax on that. So and, and, and he he didn't play so well in this game. You almost wonder. And one more thing, I thought was interesting in this game. McCaffrey was the third best ball carrier on the on the offense in this game. Debo really ran well in this game and we're going to talk about him more in a bit but and i think that's uh, too. 
I mean, the Niners have a trio of backs. They can't all of a sudden phase out Debo Samuel from this run game because he's struggling as a receiver and he had a great game as a running back in this game. He should have had a touchdown, but in like the first quarter, I don't know if you saw it, but Trent Williams totally whiffed. They brought him around, they pulled, and he blocked no one. And the guy he should have blocked made the tackle. Kyle Shanahan brought this up. Trent Williams not having a great year. We're talking about that more too. So uh, I won the debate. Thank you very much for trying. Good stuff. Yeah, so, like, I think, so, ultimately, this is a good spot the 49ers are in. But, yeah, yeah the you mentioned that they have a good three runners. Just made me think about, like, you know what? You could sacrifice one of them not having a good outing just as long as two of them are doing good because that's ultimately the point you want. You know, you're for the whole season, we've been looking at Debo getting locked in on. Now you got Mitchell back. Now you got McCaffrey added to the equation. So now it's really making your defense try to account for it all. And it's like, no, we really can't. Which, again, circles back to a, a defense can't account for IU Kittle and all these guys in the receiving game either. So, at some point, there has to be there has to be an advantage taken care of. It's almost like the UFC's fights you just watched. We're setting you up. We're setting up who's going to yeah. get where's the Where's the haymaker punch, all right? We need yeah. Uh, one more thing before we move on with this uh, running back topic. As, we're debating who's better. Neither one is really a short yardage back. Neither one's yeah. really a goal line back. And what I think is interesting is unless the Niners ever want to give Jordan Mason a shot in that role, he's like 230 pounds and it's what he did in college, then their, their goal line back is Debo still. So either use your $200 million, your $20 million per year wide receiver in that role, which you don't want to do, which is why you drafted Ty Davis Price, or... Yeah, what happened to TDP? He's not good at it. Remember in the preseason, they tried to get him like a... He was like third and one. He ran sideways. Remember that? Yeah, that was disgusting. Remember that? Who was that against? Was that against the chart? Uh, not the chart. Might have been. I don't know. But all I know is Jordan Mason gets downhill. He's a north-south runner. <laughs> they don't have a goal line back yet. It's still Debo. They still need to use Debo in this running game. Sean O'Leary says... You don't need... That's true. It, it could have been Trey Lance, but uh, not really concerned with whether CMC or Mitchell are better or better suited to the Niners scheme. I worry about the durability of both. How often can we expect both will be available week to week? It's a good question. Right there. Because when they are both available, the Niners are going to be tough to beat. The way he ended it right now, it's literally a week-to-week basis. So just hold your breath. And when, when you hear Kyle after the game says, all right, guys, nothing from the game. Um, then once you hear that, you should be like, yes! Uh-oh. Hell yes! Yeah. Which, by the way, back-to-back weeks now, that feels like a huge dub. That's crazy. I just feel like the Niners are so tough to beat when Mitchell's rolling. Because when he's rolling, he's like 18 carries, about five yards of carry. Uh, and it's not like one explosive run and a bunch of two-yard runs. It's just consistently staying ahead of the chains and no fumbles. That's what the Niners want to be. He is their identity. And if you can shut him down, you can beat the Niners. But if you can't shut down Elijah Mitchell, you're going to have a very frustrating night, like the Chargers just learned. Very frustrating. Well, that's why we kind of want them to pass a little more, right? Set up the pass. I mean, set up the run by utilizing the pass. Yeah, because if you get Elijah Mitchell hurt like you do every three games because you overuse him because he's like a freaking cheat code, then you're screwed. That's another way to give him a break, too. And then that's another way you can use McCaffrey, make him more efficient. He should be like – McCaffrey should really be like a 10 to 12, like like a safe – That's what I'm oh, saying. Eight targets, guys. Maybe like five, five, 10, 10 to 12 carries, five targets. It depends whatever it dictates, but that's pretty much the wide range. And you use them all. He's a scat mean, back. Right now, it's just Brandon Ayuk you have in the offense. Which, by yeah. the way, when McCaffrey got brought in, me and you, t- me and you talked about who gets negatively, negatively impacted. You said Ayuk. Well, that's not really working out. Ayuk's still balling. Yeah, I said I said George Kittle. George Kittle so far, kind of been phased out again. Yeah, again. I know that's kind of crazy. Official BNA music BNA music eighty eight says, "Are you going to stand for Mike McGlizzy today?" Uh, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> I was just kidding. I couldn't actually do that. Sean O'Leary says, my wife walking by just now. Why does the louder guy get the better mic? I got to get you a better mic, man. You like sit like three, three, four feet away from your mic. And I'm like, hey, hey, Jose, what do you think about the 49ers? You know funny? I'm actually louder than you. Are you? I think so. I, oh. Everyone always says like I talk loud. Oh, maybe that's what she was talking about. All right, let's talk no, about Debo Samuel. I think it's probably because I have the stupid uh, automatically adjust mic volume. Let me see if I can raise it. All right, it's at 150 from 100, so let's see if I'm too loud. All right, let me get Debo Samuel's numbers up because I don't. I need to get this right. Um, just a second. All right, here we go. So okay. Debo Samuel is still a really good athlete. We saw him Sunday Night Football carrying the ball. He looked like Hercules. That's what Tom Rathman said sitting next to me. He's like, man, that guy looks like Hercules. Yeah, he's still hella strong. But for whatever reason... He's having a terrible season as a wide receiver. Uh, he's over the last four games, he's caught fifty percent of his targets um, for the season. When targeted, the Niners' quarterback rating when targeting him is sixty-eight, while like everyone else is over a hundred on the team. Um, I don't understand what's going on with this guy, but they keep forcing him like six or seven targets a game, and he keeps giving them like two catches. It's been like this for a month. He had a really good game against the Rams like week five. Since then, he's been like bad as a wide receiver. So I don't know. Like, Do you think they should just keep giving him six or seven targets and it'll work itself out? Or should they start to like modify their usage of him? Uh, I think the targets should remain, but modify the way you're trying to target him. Like I'm tired of these like, Screen, screen, screens. Like, come on, man. Let's, let's. I know he drops the ball, and that kind of makes him untrustworthy to actually let him run anything past a few yards of the line, front of the line of scrimmage. But for God's sakes, man, just try something different. It can't be Ayuk on every passing play because now, mm -hmm. <laughs> earlier in the season, us, and I think everyone else too, thought if the, the real connection with Jimmy was Debo and Ayuk was going to get phased out. It's, it's been the complete opposite now, right? I mean, Debo is the one that's like really shorting himself. And it's all on him, like just being like right now all of his all of his shortcomings. I just think it's the way keep the targets going, but let's try to stop using just the quick screens. No one loves the screens more than Kyle Shanahan. It's become frustrating as to why you're wondering what your offense is not getting more push or getting more points on the board. Like, can we just get Debo on more slants and crossers? Can we get him maybe a little bit deeper so that the offenses defenses are more more you know, aren't as used to it. But, um, I mean, I'm also wondering maybe if, like, Debo is failing on those actual routes he's get getting because, you know, he's not a great separator either. Mm -hmm. So, you mm -hmm. know, it's if, if that's the case, then, yeah, then you really have to start toning it down because maybe defenses are just already know what he is because if, they, if they're – it looks like they're already keying on him as a ball carrier and the keying on him as a receiver, then you have to start going elsewhere. Let's look more at Kittle. Let's look more at McCaffrey. And then once defense forget about Debo, then you go back to him. Yeah, it just seems like if if he's not getting open, if he's catching fifty percent of his targets, and the quarterback rating when targeting him is sixty eight, like you gotta go elsewhere. When the quarterback rating when targeting Ayuk is one twenty, when targeting uh, McCaffrey it's one fifteen, when ta targeting Kittle it's one oh five. Like there's so many options, you don't have to force the ball to Debo until it starts working. So what I would do is dial back his targets big time and start using him more as a running back i know a couple of weeks ago me and my dad said stop doing that well i gotta change my opinion on this i'm watching debo it seems like he's not getting open but it does seem like he's still running really freaking hard so uh i think 
the combination of him and Mitchell was a winning combination last year. You're trying to integrate McCaffrey. It didn't work in this last game. It worked two two games ago. Maybe throw the ball to McCaffrey and run the ball with Debo. I, I'm just saying there are options here. I think you can still use Debo. He's averaging all, damn near six yards a carry. So, it, and I think he's probably a much more powerful runner between the tackles than McCaffrey. So if you can't run outside right and you're struggling to get to the edge, get Debo back in there with those high knees like Roger Craig. I just think Debo has poor vision, to be honest. I think he's a yeah. poor vision. Like on, I think on McCaffrey that, uh, has better vision. A yeah. thousand percent, three times better yeah. vision. Because I think if he gets that handoff that Debo got, that first handoff was the first quarter. That's a touchdown. He missed. He didn't. He didn't go to his right. And I guess it's always easier to say, but to me, he didn't go to. He gets the handoff. Trent Williams is Trent Williams pulling. Someone was pulling. Trent Williams was pulling. And instead of him, he goes north south, which is great. But it's like you had a wide lane. You could have just gone to your right, and it wasn't even wide. It's like if you just take two steps to your right, the touchdown is right there. So, and I think there's mm. been plenty of examples already put out about pointing out that it's like, dude, the guy just misses a lot. He leaves. He's almost like the Jimmy of running backs, so because he makes so many explosive plays, he makes up for it. Which you know, all right, cool. It's, it's like if you, it's like as a cornerback, you give up so much yards as a cornerback, but you're not giving up touchdowns. You're getting picks. We'll take that. So it's kind but of he's so game. hard to take down, man. I feel like he tires out defenses and makes everyone else's job easier, man. And again, like, if, if he's struggling as a wide receiver, you got to use him somehow. You can't just take him out of the offense. He's hey, too good. Paying him a lot of money. So this is a dilemma. And the, the Niners' solution so far is it'll work itself out. Just keep feeding him. It's, we're at week 11, and this dude is still giving you like two catches on six targets. Two catches on seven targets. Not good enough. So modify this. And, and you don't need to give him six targets when – you just gave Kittle two. No, Kittle's actually been much more efficient this year. McCaffrey's out here. Ray Ray's playing well. Usechek is playing well. Dwelly exists. You don't have to do that. Juwan Jennings is stepping up. So when Debo wants to, you know, put the Mike and Ikes down and join the party, he's welcome to. I had to go there. Mario Gonzalez says, Grant, can we please tell the coach to put Jimmy Ward back in safety with Huff? What the hell are we doing here? Need quality control to make this move. Yeah, I feel like it's going to burn him eventually. It's not going to burn them anytime soon because they haven't faced good quarterbacks or good receivers. But what is this? What is going on? I mean, Jimmy Ward is clearly better at safety, and Tashawn Gibson is not a better safety than Jimmy Ward. I don't understand. He got burned in the Chiefs game. Now, you could argue it was the first game back. Oh, Jimmy? But like, you know what? I think I think Mahomes and Bienemy and Andy Reid identified that clearly on that one touchdown pass. It's like Jimmy Ward in the slot. All we got to do – is just run past them and the crossers. That's it. That's all you got to do to beat Jimmy. Yeah, he run shouldn't be playing Nicky. He sh- nickel. He should not be. <laughs> Jimmy. He should not be playing Nickel. Nickel. That's what I call Nickel. He should be playing yeah. Nickel exclusively. I'll say that. I like him in that role. I just don't want him exclusively. Because to me, I'm I'm infatuated when, when defenses, when coordinators, coaches play their players like in versatile positions. Like, sure, lose him in the nickel. But not every single play, can we? I mean, didn't you draft like a corner for that specific reason? But what I'm saying is I feel like Samuel Womack might be a better nickel. No offense to Jimmy Ward. I'd like to yeah, see Samuel Womack. Because I, I don't really like Jimmy Ward. At, he's given up too much separation to guys I've never heard of at nickel. I don't think he necessarily has an athletic advantage on slot receivers. You put Womack there. Womack runs a 4-3. I'd like to see that. You put... I think Jimmy's the better free. I think Jimmy's the best free safety on the team, and I think he's probably this. I don't think he's the best nickel on the team. D'Amico and Kyle are trying to say, "Look, Jimmy's the best nickel on the team, so we got to play him there." And Gibson's just as good as Jimmy. Or I disagree with that totally. Yeah. So we'll see. That's what they're saying. California Bears says head coach is trash. Ken Dorsey, please, please, please. (laughs) Well, Bills just lost this week. 
a bad uh, loss. Yeah, we got to see a little bit loss. more from Ken Dorsey. He's been a coordinator for like two months. All right, this is very interesting. Jesse Naylor, friend of the show, going on live with him tonight. Just kidding. Grinded the tape and found vi- visual evidence that Trent Taylor is tipping plays most of the time. Um, hats off to Jesse. This is going viral on Twitter. This is some great, great detective work. Jur- this is journalism. This is great shit. Good stuff, Jesse. Um, I do want to point out that I mentioned this after the Chiefs game uh, that Trent Williams was lining up way farther off the ball on uh, p- pass plays and run plays. And if you go back, he actually got flagged in that game for an illegal formation because his left leg was so far off the ball. They, they're like, that's against the rules, Trent. Um, so this has been out there. Also, Bears defender, rookie, mentioned this after week one. So this is happening. Trent Williams is tipping plays. And if you don't, if I didn't explain it, on pass plays, he has his left foot way back. And on run plays, he tends to have it parallel to his right foot. This is a tell. Teams have noticed. And a question all year is, why is the Niners offense underperforming? All this talent, great coach. What is the deal? And there's been no clear answer. Well, if they're tipping plays, that could sort of explain why an offense that should be scoring 25, 26, 27 points a game is scoring 22. I don't know. What do you think about this development, Jose? I don't think it's the reason why the offense isn't performing. You, you, you mentioned that the answer isn't clear. I think it's clear as day. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's all freaking day. Now, to Jesse's credit, it's beautiful. Great talking point. It's good to point out because I don't think the common fan knew that. And for the people who were claiming they knew that, I think they're just being a hater and being fake. Um, it's like, come on. like. I, but I said from the last game, at least, I can't talk about the other games. But the last game, at least, I don't feel that that those those tip plays was really giving the Chargers an advantage. I feel like it was more so because even I knew what the sequence was going to be like. What kind of play type? This is going to be a run. This is going to be a, oh, this is going to be right. a, oh, typical Shanny. Come on, man! Like the same didn't thing help the Rams either. Like, didn't help the Rams either. No, yeah, it's it's so obvious. Like, come on. So I don't think it's too look and like the way the cheating stances. All positions do that. Hell, cornerbacks like wide receivers. Hey, he's playing off coverage. Most times, most times he's going to be playing off coverage because it's zone. Unless mm-hmm. your guy's fast and you're just playing off coverage, man, to give yourself mm-hmm. a cheating bump. Or hey, he's coming up close to me. He's shading his stance to the outs to the sideline, so he's going to pr- press me inside. Maybe that's man, or maybe it's just relief. I mean, no. If he's cheating, if he shades to the sideline, that means I know it's most likely not man because he would want the sideline as his other boundary to push me toward. So there's every position has that. Um, it's just a little bit harder because on the uh, it's just more of a debacle here because we talked about just now the running game isn't wasn't successful so maybe because in that point it's like hey look Trent Trent's running parallel he's lined up parallel it's gonna be a run maybe they have a sign because that's not out of the realm of possibility players do pick that up and will have like codes like like they'll do a like they'll do a sign like anything you see like they can do anything like with their fingers mm-hmm. they can say a mm-hmm. word like just so, so you can relay it. Um, it's the same thing when when defensive ends or outside linebackers warn the corner, hey, watch the crack, or they'll say something, watch the crack block from the tight end or something like that to keep your head on the swivel. But ultimately, I don't think it's really stinging the offense. I, I will blame Kyle a thousand percent on that and the way he's calling plays. Um, I, I don't I don't think it's really be detrimental. I, I wouldn't write it off, man. I mean, this is a team that just like like Christian McCaffrey got shut down by the Chargers, who couldn't shut any running <clears throat> game down. So I'm thinking that 
there's got to be a reason the Niners rank 20th in the run game in yards per carry. And this couldn't, this isn't helping. Now, you could say, like a lot of times, if it's third and seven, you watch any offensive line, any offensive tackle, he's going to have his left leg, he's going to have his outside leg back anyway. You know a pass is coming. But, so you can do that sometimes. If it's a two-minute drill and you're, you're it, you can do that. But if it's first and 10 early in the game, you can't do that. And if you do, I think teams are going to notice. If it's not the player, it's going to be a coach, it's going to be someone. And if you're giving them a tell before the snap, hey, it's first and 10, I'm pretty sure they're going to run on this play. Maybe that's why the Niners run game just got kind of shut down until the very end by the freaking Chargers. So it just feels like, look, the Niners have a lot of talent on this team. But one thing we've talked about with the offense since McDaniel left is a shocking lack of attention to detail. When the hallmark of a Mike McDaniel offense is a hyper attention to detail with this team. They had it. Now they don't. And you got Trent Williams, like the greatest left tackle of all time doing this. He could clean this up. But where, where, where is the coach saying, hey, Trent, man, look at you. Look, man, look what you're doing. Can you, this is not how you play. I, where is it? I, I don't know. You, no, the offensive line coach is also the run game coordinator. I mean, he's got a lot in his plate. It just seems like Jesse Naylor just probably saved the season for the 49ers. So good. <laughs> that's quality, that's quality, quality control. Look, I wouldn't say it's, it's. I'm 100% definite that's not nothing. I'm just saying, at least in terms of this game and the bigger picture. That's fair. That that's it's fair. more so like. like it didn't help on, the Rams. Like it. it did but not I help the like, Rams. I feel like I don't want to scapegoat Trent Williams. I feel like that's what Kyle wants. if Because that's what he's already doing. Look, he said on True. the conference call on Monday, oh, we got Christian McCaffrey. And it's not. When you pointed. It's funny because I don't know how yes. they picked it up because I was on the conference call. I even asked. I'm the one that asked the question. You did. So you I did. Was like, so I was like, how did I miss that? I'm like, he said that? I'm like, yeah. what a moron. Are you serious right now? Yeah. You're saying that? Yeah. Like, come on, dude. He's really just trying to save his hide. And we'd be talking about it that, like, not in the, first off, when Trey Lance went down, pressure rises on Kyle Shanahan. Now right. you acquire McCaffrey for an impa- for an offense close to an impasse. All right. Pressure rises. Pressure rises. That was no excuse. Don't give me this player execution. Don't give me And on, in addition, Jimmy's playing well. Jimmy's playing well. So now you can't use him as an excuse either. And it's all on Kyle. And so it's like, oh, is it Trent oh, Williams? Trent plays. It's his fault. What? what like, so, hey, how many coaches are on your staff? How many people? Jesse Naylor had to point this out. Nothing. No offense to Jesse. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how much money are you paying Chris Forrester to, to notice this? And I'm telling you, like, I got an email from a coach mid, mid Chiefs game saying, look at Trent Williams. He's tipping the plays. I didn't have the enterprise to go to the all 22 and, and cut it up like Jesse. I might have a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm slipping. Jesse's on the way up. I, this is a big moment for him. But it's been out there. Coaches have noticed, and the Niners haven't done it. They're coming off a bye week. This is what you discover in a bye week. Someone told them week one, and they're like, it's cool. And you have a bunch of people online, like Emmanuel Acho being like, it's no big deal. Man, can we stop making excuses for the Niners, please? He can didn't come just- back and give Jesse credit, though, after Good. he come back on that. So Good. Even his spiel. Um, look, but honestly, is anyone really going to talk to Trent Williams and tell him about this? No, no one's going to tell him. Is there someone? Do you really envision Kyle, Chris, especially Chris? The only one who can't tell him anything is Kyle. Chris Worcester's not going to tell him nothing. Anthony Lynn's not going to tell him nothing. The only one who can is Kyle, and even then, I don't think Kyle's going to tell him anything. You know how it's going to get asked. So, like one one of the beat writers is going to be kind of nervous asked, about yeah, it. They're going to be like, "Oh, on Twitter, you know how Twitter is. The experts on Twitter, and they're going to have like nervous laughing, and they're going to be and and someone's going to dismiss it, and there won't be a follow up question." That's my prediction. We'll see what happens. Brandon Penn says, "Could it be Kyle is saving his best for the playoffs if he lets it out now? Teams can study it and be ready for it when it matters. The art of war." No. 
Yeah, Kyle saving his best for the playoffs. The Niners are pacing themselves for the playoffs. It kind of does feel like this team is very much like, you know, we don't have to prove ourselves every week. We don't have to have a standard. We just have to squeak out wins by a few points and get to the playoffs, and then we'll flip the switch. And it's like, man, I don't know that that works in any sport, but the teams that can kind of pull that off are the teams that have won multiple championships and knows what it takes. The Niners aren't a championship team. Like, they're not. So I don't like it at all. They should be reestablishing a standard. Let's move on. Momentum for sure. So when when you ask Kyle Shanahan what's up with the offense, some one thing he likes to point to, he'll never say big picture stuff, but he keeps going to, well, you know, we're getting in the red zone. We got in the red zone in this game a lot of times, but we didn't score that much. And if you look at the red zone numbers, they're they're not as good in the red zone this year <laughs> as they were last year with the same freaking players. So, Jose uh, we're both quality control. What would you suggest Kyle Shanahan do in the red zone to score more touchdowns? You know what? I, I'd say do the same thing and try to go back to your passing offense. Like, honestly, <laughs> like going back to the red zone. <clears throat> and I think on, so you, so obviously in the press box, but on Sunday Night Football, I think also they even showed a little bit of the RPO um, replays as well that also that, you know, the all 22 49ers community likes to point out. And it was just like, dude, are you are you just gonna keep running the same the same play RPO? Mm. And then that, that's when he mentions on the conference call, Kyle, where he's like, you know, we had a play that I don't feel like we should have given it to the check down or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Maybe stop putting too much on Jimmy's plate and just have him do a drop back, one two stop drop back and just throw it. Um, I know he had the one throw to Ayuk, but again, this has been a problem all season long. All right, it's not just this game. So when people are harping about an overreacting, quote-unquote, to the red zone offense, it's like, no, we're not overreacting to something that's been going on for nine games. The red zone offense is just lacking. Like, can we get, like, again, can we just take a shot with Jimmy? Can Jimmy just do something? Can we get a crosser? Can we get Kittle in there? Um, Ayuk, who I feel like is the best red zone threat, should be more should be more utilized in that sense. It sh- that shouldn't have been the first time we've seen that with him getting having like a shifty route and just creating space because he could do that at will. We saw that against the Rams um, at home when he shook Jalen Ramsey on the whip route. So we already know Ayuk's that lock, but how about just getting like just simple, simple plays, making it simplified just so we can get some points on the board because you're wasting all these yards. Like no one cares about your yards. How many points are you putting on the board? Cause you know what Grant? I took, I actually like went back and look at the points scored. If you take away the two highest games they 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 had points against, so one was a, a a bleeding out Carolina team, right, and then the second game against the Rams, do or die, and they always play well against the Rams. You take that those two games away, they're averaging eighteen point five points per game. They're averaging eighteen point five points per game against. If you take away the bleeding out Carolina game and a desperation Rams game, and if you want to go That's further terrible. against both Rams, they're averaging seventeen point six. So pretty much give or take a point. Also, you take away some of these special teams touchdowns and pick sixes, like it's even worse because they yeah, had the pick yeah, six from Talanoa, right. the pick six from Mosley. Wait, that away, you're right. They had the pick six from Talanoa, the pick six from Mosley. Like they had, you know, they have a. I think they have at least one special teams touchdown. So it gets bad real quick. Let me let me give you a little stat. All right, so we're talking red zone. Jimmy Garoppolo in the red zone this year. His quarterback rating is 100. He has nine touchdown passes and one pick. You know what I'm saying? Like he's actually doing pretty well. But but in the red zone, the Niners this year have run 52 times. Excuse me. Let me get this right. Attempts 52 times, and they've passed 34 times. So again, this is an this is Kyle Shanahan and what they, he wants to run the ball. They need to pass the ball. 
When they pass the ball, good things happen this year. But he's getting into the red zone, and he's running between the tackles with Christian McCaffrey. It's like, dude, that's the worst idea. There's so many things you could do. There are 10 things you could do better than that. You could throw to Christian McCaffrey. You could throw to Kittle. You could th- you could hand off to Debo. But no, you want to do the worst thing you could do. So it's a lot on Kyle, how he's using his players like you're running too much. And beca- I, Look, here's another thing. I don't think Kyle likes Jimmy getting credit. Jimmy's going to be in a contract year. I don't think he wants Jimmy Garoppolo getting three tutties in a game. You can run for a quarterback sneak, but I think he wants the, the, the touchdowns going to Christian McCaffrey on the ground. Meanwhile, you got Mike McDaniel being like, hey, man, you got three touchdowns. You're great, Tua. You're the best. You got three touchdowns today. I don't think Kyle wants Jimmy getting credit like that. If they score on the ground, Kyle gets the credit. If they score through the air, Jimmy gets a lot of credit, and that's where Kyle's mind is, I think, so. Kyle needs to get over himself and let Jimmy you know get some credit. You got a point on that because even when the um, even when he had the rollout, sweet rollout throw of the game to um, Raymond McLeod, he kind of like dumbed that down. I was like, dude, that was sweet. That was a sweet. That's uncharacteristic of him. That's it's like deserved. the best play of Jimmy Garoppolo's career. It's like the best Stop play of his career. Sure. Oh my that, god, that deserved more than just like, oh, he's trying to. He tried to say like he's been doing that all year. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. It, dude, it, it, again, if Mike McDaniel were the coach of this team, he would have talked about that play for like ten minutes. He would have written, he would have written an entire one act play about that. It, it would have been crazy. But no, Kyle's like, you know, it was whatever. It was all right. It was all right. I could have made no, that throw. Do you see that throw I made in the pizza oven? Because that was a nice throw, the pizza oven throw. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dope. But no, that whole drive was all because of Jimmy to me. That was all Jimmy. The third and twelve, or what? I don't even. What's that third and twelve to George? Yeah, the tour to George. That whole drive because every run play was like stalled, 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 and then Jimmy was just connecting. Kyle, so he's like, "Why didn't you score more points?" In it? Well, we got inside the ten yard line. We only scored touchdowns. Well, we got inside the ten yard line five times. We only scored two touchdowns. That's we got to execute better. Well, maybe if you st- every time you got to the nine yard line, you try to run your way through a brick yard wall into the. It's too hard, and you don't have the offensive line to pull it off. You don't have Mikey Potty and Anthony Davis like back in the day. That's what he wants to do, and so it's on him. I, all I remember is Jimmy Garoppolo making a play, throwing that beautiful touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey. Like wh- he can't. You're not allowed. He made the great throw to Ayuk that Ayuk dropped. Man, he's not going to drop two of those. Throw. Do it again. Throw. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Zach says, what makes Trent the best? Don't disagree. Just want your take. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. I don't think he's the best anymore, but he was the best for a very long time. He's about 35 years old. I don't know. I don't think he's, he's the best top. anymore. He's still top tier. Yeah. Justin, I mean, they run the ball well to their left. I got to give him that. He's still good. He just could be a lot better. Justin Gonzalez says, spreadsheet asked uh, T-Dub, there are no problems with William Stance. He's T-Dub. been operating the same way through his whole career, nine Pro Bowls and counting. Okay. Oh, ask Trent Williams. All right. So now we have a bunch of people aren't on Trent Williams' uh, payroll going out of their way to defend um, sloppy play. That's my favorite thing about Bay Area sports media. Love that. Love that. Corey Soto says, uh, I think Ramey, Ramsey dropping two picks is the greatest gift to Jimmy and the Niners. Would the Niners have won if he caught those? Changes a lot. It's a good question. Also, would the Niners have won against the Chargers if Samuel Womack had been called for a touchback on that play? Not saying he should have. But on TV, they were losing their mind about that. Yeah, they were losing their mind about that. They were losing their mind about that on TV. You know, I don't remember that play, but too much. Like, I don't think I was too much in focus of that because, you know, special teams, I don't – special teams, come on. Um, But it's when they they 
stopped the Chargers at the one yard line. Like they couldn't yeah, make a comeback at that point. They're saying that they're saying the Chargers got hosed, but it's like you know what? So did the Niners on the Dre Greenlaw play. Oh. I don't know about that. They, oh, I, oh. I think the big missed call on that on, for the Niners in that game was two, well, two things: Debo face mask. That was a clear face mask. Clear face mask. Right? And the false start every game, every snap. The false start every no. snap by the right tackle. Are you blind? I was screaming at the TV. Like, are you stupid? Like, what are you doing? The Greenlaw one. I don't know, but the other two. No, no, no. I don't want to argue about the Greenlaw one, but that, that's a, that's borderline. That was at least you could say that was borderline. But look, no, I want to no. talk about. What? Wait, what are you talking about? The Greenlaw was no, at least, but when, when they okay, slowed it down, it looked like he like I don't know. That was a penalty. I just didn't agree with the ejection, which I didn't even Fair. know you could get ejected for that. I thought I was like, "What are you doing?" If, it was like a targeting call, right? Yeah. What do you? Uh, eh, eh, eh. Ref blew the whistle. Fair enough. All I'm saying is that play of uh, pinning the Chargers at the one yard line that ended the game. I, th- maybe the game would have been over if they had gotten the ball at the 20 because they weren't moving the ball at all in the second half. But Herbert's yeah, yeah, really good. He made some amazing throws to nobodies in that game. Maybe he had a couple more left in him, but at, from the one-yard line, there's no chance. And I'll say this, the Niners also, red zone offense, we're talking about how, how like Shannon's like, oh, you know, we just messed up, so we kind of gifted them. You're like, you know what? The Chargers messed up and gave the defense lucky breaks in the first half. Uh, Justin missed several throws. That could have gone for chunk plays or even a thir- or even a touchdown. What was that one he threw? Number eighty-eight uh, alligator arm to pass down the field that should have been a touchdown. Yeah, and then Gerald Trey McKitty, Joe ever at the ten-yard line or five-yard line had a drop that could have been a walk-in touchdown. So there were several opportunities for the Chargers to convert and to change one of those field goals into a touchdown to make more pressure on the on the 49ers offense. Which guess what? Now that you're in a tie game or you're trailing, you're more predictable passing. So Kyle, the only time he want he passes heavily is when he's trailing, and at that point, great. Now you're putting Jimmy in a very, in a very tough. That's situation. not one you want to. You, what, you, what you want to do is pass early and then ice it out with the run game. That's what but I'm Kyle's. The that's what you want to do, man. Throw throw on those first throw. downs. Maybe maybe when it's like when you're on like the 13 yard line, take a shot to the end zone. Do it. But I'm wondering if he's scarred from that Chiefs game because I'm pretty sure he wanted that one because when he threw that pick, which is egregious, I agree. But it's like. So you're just gonna cat. You're just gonna it's the one pick he's like, thrown in the red zone all year. It's the only pick he's thrown in the red zone all year. Like you got to stop coaching scared, Kyle McDaniel doesn't pick. because it, it trickles down to your players. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about a guy on defense. Eric Armstead hasn't played since week four. Uh, every week, he, someone asks Kyle Shanahan about Armstead. Is he coming back this week? And Kyle says the same thing. We hope so. He's doing better. And then on Wednesday. Or the first day they practice that week, he doesn't practice. Nor does he practice any day. And that's been the, what's been going on the last, since he's gone down since week four. We hope he's coming back soon. We don't know when. Maybe this week. No practicing. They could have put him on IR. You can put a guy on IR and he has to stay there for four weeks. If they had put him on after the game against the Rams week four, he could have been eligible to come off right now. Which is so, it's been, why didn't they do it? They probably hoped or thought he'd be coming back already. And he's not. And so they've wasted, they've been playing with 52 players the last month. They could have had an extra player on their team. Had they known that Armstead wouldn't be back by now, they probably would have put him on IR. So what the hell is going on? What is going on here? What do you think? Dude, plantar fasciitis, man. I'm, again, And that's on the one foot. On the other foot, he's got like a stress fracture in his ankle. The fracture is the one I'm least worried about. It's the, I think that was going to heal before that plantar fasciitis that he has because – 
Look, I think all of us, you know, will never claim to be a doctor, but I think we all have a good semblance of how severe injuries are from watching sports, whether you just watch football or you watch a collective of sports. And my understanding of plantar fasciitis, it's almost on par or in the same ballpark as that Liz Frank injury. All those type of soft tissues, whatever's in your foot, it'll recover overnight or over month or over months. Yeah. He has to – I feel like his season might be done. I, I, I stake claim to this like one of the last times we talked about this it's like Armstead might – even if he comes back, he's going to be like at 75% at best maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, how many times uh, – running backs get this a lot. Um, this injury lingers. You know, I've seen it. it Soccer does. players get it. I've seen it. I've seen another and it can sport. get worse. It can get worse. It can get worse. So it's yeah. – are you sure he's even going to be back? Do you need I – mean, I mean, look, you need him back for sure. But he but should I be on IR back. right now. You know what They're I'm saying? They're keeping him off yeah. IR because they don't want to use the remaining bullet chances they have on activation – of whoever else could be, and maybe they clearly they overestimated or underestimated how severe this was, and then you know who knows about Kinlaw, and it's like it's a, it's really bad. You have your two pillars in the middle, and they're they're both gone. They're both gone, and this is really bad right now. And I just feel like it's like I have more hope in Kinlaw coming back than I do Armstead because that plantar man, it's 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 pretty much been haunting like athletes for years. Yeah, and this is why I feel like well, this is an injury that you get when you're older. He's he just turned 29. You're invested in an older defensive tackle, and now it's starting to look like his lower body's breaking down a little bit. So this is uh, discouraging. And what I want to talk about, I don't know the extent of the injury. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not privy to any of these details. But what I do know is that the Niners didn't put him on IR. That indicates they were hoping or expecting that he'd be back by now because it's been it's been seven weeks. So there's a disconnect here and I feel like what's happening is they go up to Armstead every week and they're like Armstead do you think you could play this week and he's like yeah we'll give it a shot and then it's like no I don't feel good which is his prerogative but this is what happens when you get when you locked in to a 29 year old player for years I mean it's it's different than having a 23 year old guy who's gunning for that first contract it's just different mentality he's thinking I gotta get that third contract I gotta find a way to get that third contract, which is going to give me like a ton of money on my signing bonus, and that'll be my last big payday. Um, so now I have to protect my body, and it's not in his interest. At, to to your point, to like play at seventy five percent and look bad and potentially make this worse and make this something that could be a career ender. Because at this point, at twenty nine, things could get bad. Things could go sideways. So this is why I feel like you know you don't want to have too many high price vets on your team, and you look at teams like the Patriots. They've often traded people like this and you're like how could you get rid of such a great well mm. well so eric armstead it's interesting that just the fact that he isn't on ir and the niners keep saying yeah we hope this week we hope this week yeah uh-huh well we'll see if he ever comes back what is he even doing i don't know how they can even say that because it's like if, if both your feet are damaged you're not doing anything you're not doing anything what are you doing and even if you and who, who, whose podcast did I listen to? I forgot. I think Guy Haber mentioned this about maybe the reason why he had that fracture on one of his legs is because he was overcompensating, which is like Happy. natural. Happy. I think anyone who's injured themselves, whether it's your left, right arm, left, right leg, you compensate for the other. I know for sure it's like I, I've always been that way, where, whether I have extended my knee or sprayed an ankle. It's like you you overcompensate. So, and even even with that, it's like, you know, what are you doing? How is he rehabbing? And then, then he needs to get in football shape. How many snaps is he going to come back into? This is bleak. I'm not holding my breath that he comes back at all. And if he does, the 49ers are just hoping like, hey, all we're hoping for is a late December push that he's like good enough to be in. We'll roll him out there. 
on just an early down running back. I mean, a early down defensive lineman to go against the running backs because that's just all been, I see left of him. I just feel like they, his season has been horribly mismanaged. Let's go back through it. Yes, he got hurt on the first play of training camp. Hurt his knee. I want. Hurt something. Missed all the training camp. Came back for week one. Was healthy. Yeah, he he sprained something. He missed all the training camp, all the preseason, came back week one, got hurt week two. Missed week three, but the Niners needed him out there because the season was going left early on, Pushed, uh, brought him back for week four, thinking it's not a big deal injury. He injures the other leg, and then they're like, oh, okay, like you have two injured legs, but we're not going to put you on IR because we really freaking need you back as soon as possible. And he's like, yeah, all right, I- I'll see what I-, I feel week to week, but... They've really mismanaged Eric Armstead's season, and I'm not saying I'm not blaming Armstead. I'm I, I'm not blaming the Niners either, but there is just some disconnect between those two guys, those two sides. Like he should be on. What what do the 49ers go from here now? Look, that's a great point. That right now he's this this question, but if Armstead's done for the year or he's not coming back or a small capacity, like is it this is pretty much what we're seeing now? What they get from the interior because this is a. This is this is gonna be something that if they go against a high power running team, that's really going to hurt them. It hasn't been exposed yet. I remember Ryan on Twitter. That's said, not the Chargers. That's not the Chargers. And I talked to, I I've been watching the Chargers and I had to talk to our boy Nick Cothrell. I was like, Hey, if they really want to win, they're gonna have to run the ball, but they can't run the ball, right? He's like, Hell no, they don't care. No. Like it's zero push. Yeah. So imagine who who who's a good running team and Kenneth Walker, my yeah. god, Kenneth Walker might run over the Seattle, I mean the over the Niners right. on Thursday night football. Right. And so, so going back to the McCaffrey trade, he's a nice player, and he does improve the Niners' passing game, which we've said. But uh, they had a big needed defensive tackle, they had a big needed cornerback, and they didn't address those things. Uh, and and they're like basically being like, "Hey, Armstead Kinlaw, Armstead Kinlaw, Jason Verrett. That's what they're doing this year. Jason Verrett's already not panned out, not his fault. Yeah. But that was their fault for hoping and praying on such a long shot. Now you're asking." Hey, Armstead, you feeling good? Not really. Okay, we'll check you next week. Kinlaw, you feeling great? Not really. All right, we'll check you next week. Like, that's where they're at. And they could have made a deal. Instead, they swapped out running backs, and you got Kyle Shanahan being like, well, we really didn't change anything. You know, we lost <laughs> Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh huh. So uh huh. All right, last topic. And uh, this, is, this is interesting to me. So the difference between the 2019 49ers and the 2022 49ers. The tw- a lot of the same players, but a lot has changed since then. In 2019, I feel like that team was propelled by hungry young players. Most of the best players in that team had run their first contract and were g- proving themselves to get paid. We could go through it real quick. Uh, Buckner, Armstead, Bosa, Debo, Mostert, Kittle, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. I mean, like the whole freaking team, the core of the team was young, hungry, out to get paid. They've all gotten paid. And now... I think what you're seeing is a team that's not as hungry, a team that, you know, beats the Rams and likes, you see him at courtside that week. Hey, we're, we're four and four. We're here at courtside. We're great. We're five and four. We beat, we're at court. They just seem like a team that's consistently playing down to their opponents, a bunch of guys who are already established making a ton of money. And um, the hungry players on this team are Bosa, Jawan Jennings, Elijah Mitchell, Talanoa Hufunga, once again, the guys who are out there and need to prove themselves to get that big payday. Uh, that's what I see as the main difference between the team that went to the Super Bowl and this team that might go to the Super Bowl. What do you think? It's a good point. That's definitely a good point because you can put more of um, 
of an underdog mentality of a drivenness because it's not just like it's not just like everyone's writing this off it's like all right this is a perfect year to like because to, to get the bag you know and no one no one saw that coming i mean that was my first year coming to the niners i was like what the hell is going on everyone mm-hmm. all my family members told me this was going to be a like an eight and eight year and sure enough look they're freaking 14 and 2 13 and 3 um mm-hmm. so you know what that's that's a solid point um because even when i'm thinking of when you're reading off like the, the players who are playing just fine or not like over the top who already paid the only players i can think about who's playing who's who's playing worth to that level is fred warner fred warner fred Charles warner Harris ward yes. uh, but he's he's not locked in long term he's got like a two or three year deal that's smart the uh, kittle i mean he's like a niner for life they extended him you know what I'm saying? About and you asked him too about it too. Like <laughs> Charvarius is like, hey, is it because they didn't have that bag? He's like, yeah, that's why. That's hilarious. Yeah. So he knows he's got but, that money. So he's out there. I'm just out there balling. I'm, I'm all good. But he could, so, he could be back in the free agent market in two years. Like Trent Williams is a Niner for life. Armstead Niner for life. Kittle Niner for life. Uh, Fred Warner Niner for life. Who else am I? McCaffrey Niner for life. Uh, yeah, you can even throw out Jimmy right now as a hungry player. Yes, and he's playing well. Dude, to me, you want to have hungry players on your team. The more, the freaking yeah. better. And the not because here's the thing: the hungry players they have they're on the pursuit of the bag. How do you get the bag? Well, you show up every day for practice, and you dominate on the practice field. You're locked in in the meetings. You are selling yourself to management as the ultimate pro. I play like this every freaking day, and then they pay you. And then you either keep it up because you have that standard or you're like, great, I don't have to do that anymore. I got the bag, right? Because you're still like, hey, man, I'm the most physical player. I run over people. I'm a throwback. That's what Kittle did. That's what Debo did. Then they get the bag and they're like, you know what? Actually, I'm not necessarily going to do that all the time anymore because I need to get the next contract. And it's a whole different mentality. It's human nature. And the Niners seem like they're surprised every time. Like, oh, Kittle isn't, Debo isn't, yeah, man, what did you expect? That's yeah. why uh, that's why the Kyler Murray contract is the worst of the offseason. Yes, because it's like, what was the rush? You, this guy doesn't look like this guy wears down. So, and now all of a sudden, look, you get a guy who looks regressed very yes. badly. So that was yes. the worst one the contract. Um, yeah, the Jimmy part though, you know, I, I don't know why I'm shocked. But it's like, you know what? We said that. I, I think that was a talking point. Like reasons to be positive about Jimmy. He's like, look, contract on a deal where it's incentivized. Number one, he's on a deal yep. where he knows he's fighting for that next contract, which is why, again, I would never think he's coming back next year. He wants to get off this team and actually prove and be like, all right, you guys told Shane Lance mm-hmm. over me. Here mm-hmm. I go. Sure enough, look at him. He's playing excellent to his standards, mm-hmm. at least. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think a hungry players part goes more and just also like now it's it's only certain games they will get up for. But you know what? This is kind of a league round league wide issue about. Look, we. This is why I always, especially from gambling point, is is this team gonna get up for this opponent? You know, if the 49ers were to play the Commanders right now, are they gonna get up for them? Probably not. Getting up for the Chargers was not incentivized because they're not they're not fully loaded. Um, you're coming off a bye, and it's not. Everyone says the Niners are great. Everyone says the Niners are gonna win. What about this week against Colt McCoy? What if it's Colt? No one's gonna pick the Chargers, uh, the the Cardinals to win that game. Are the Niners gonna get up for that? Because the last time they played Colt McCoy, they got smacked. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the only reason they get up for this game. They've been, uh, yeah. You know what? I was gonna say they. You know, that's one. That's one more benefit of thinking why they will get up for it because another prime time reason. Um, you're trying to show up for in the international, in the, in, in, in Mexico. Um, you're trying to show out against the against the division opponent. But hey, for years now, they've kind of been struggling against them. You know, they've been struggling against the Cardinals. They, whether it's been Kyler Murray out there 
or Colt McCoy, which I don't think Kyler is going to play because his hammy, and I'm pretty sure he's going to milk his hammy to go play Warzone too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think ultimately it's, uh, it, yeah, that's that's because at this point I bet you it wouldn't shock me once December comes and say the Niners are like what are they like? They're like eight and six, eight and five, whatever it is, and it's like it's like okay, they're they're in a good spot, but you know they're still not there from the division or playoffs, or whatever. And all of a sudden we start to see them turn it up like the big time players. It's like, all right, now it's now it's the yeah. point of the season that matters. The same way NBA players don't start trying until the all-star break or after Christmas. Right. So that's what the Niners feel like they're doing. Like they're kind of pacing themselves. But I don't think you can do I don't think they're good enough to do that. Last year, they didn't pace themselves. Debo went crazy starting. Well, he went crazy all freaking year. And when they put him at running back, he propelled him because he was on the pursuit of the back. And I don't know, I mean, like, Talanoa's doing great, Bosa's doing great, Mitchell. Like, they do have guys who could give that consistent 110% effort. But it's not as many as in the past. And all the key players seem to be, like, Debo, man, maybe he'll turn it on in December or something, but he hasn't done it yet. Kittle, same. Ayuk's in the pursuit of the bag. That's another one. And he's playing very well. Every game, it looks like he's about to start a fight with someone or get in a fight with someone. And I like that. He's chippy. But, um... I don't know. I feel like this is one flaw in the Niners roster building. And I think it starts with Kyle. They gave him that extension following the loss in the Super Bowl. So he's not even hungry anymore. He's a Niner for life. He's a nine. Aaron Banks is a guy who's hungry. So you have all these like guys who are legacy Niners, you know, guys who are going to be part of the family for life. And I don't think that's the right mentality to have in football. They don't have those guys in in, uh, New England. They don't. I mean, Tom Brady was, was the one guy. And then they got hit rid of him too. So I think the Niners need to think about this and the fact that they've traded all these draft picks for players who aren't hungry anymore and are established, that could come back to bite you. You need these young, hungry players to push everyone. Those are the culture setters. Those are the tone setters on your team. And that's what you had in 2019. Not now. Thank God Mitchell's back. Jeff Wilson was hungry. You traded him. He was hungry. Yeah, and there's been a couple, Sean Gibson. Uh, and there's been another, there's been a couple of uh, already games where it's like, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it's kind of hard to nitpick certain defensive players because ultimately you, you don't get, you don't get a whole defensive, you know, all out performance all season long playing elite level with having several players, you know, sleeping. It's pretty much stemming from the offense. Um, but look, it, it could just be more than just like, cause they're not as hungry. It's like the same thing. Well, I guess you already mentioned Kyle Shannon. It's the same way Kyle like puts it on out there, the way he's mm-hmm. standard he's setting where it's like, if, if you can't have yourself be urgent, your players are not going to feel that either. Um, whether it's like taken to heart or 100%, at least some of that is going to be like it's contagious. You know? And if We're you not- don't hold yourself accountable, then the guys making more on than you on your locker room, the vets, won't hold themselves accountable either. And the only ones Look, who will. They say Jimmy's a leader. This is the first year where I actually believe it, where it's like he, I, I, like the way he's playing, if he actually gets them psyched, I'll probably give them more, give him more credit than Kyle for getting his team, getting the offense up to, up to par. Because right now, what, what what's going right now is, it's, it's not it's not cutting it. It's not cutting it. There's two ends of the, of, of the spectrum uh, in this dynamic here. Hungry players, fat and satisfied players. And not literally fat and satisfied. Metaphorically. That, that's the only way I would describe it. Hungry, fat and satisfied. 2019, that team was freaking hungry. From Kyle to Sala to all the best players in the team. Now, uh, is Trent Williams hungry? No. Is Debo Samuel? Not yet. Is Debo Samuel hungry? Not yet. Is Armstead hungry? He's hurt. Hard to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, the only one who really seems hungry still is Fred Warner and all the young guys who haven't gotten paid yet. So if they want to develop an appetite by Thanksgiving, that would be really freaking wonderful. Especially Debo, dude. Man, come on. 
You eat Mike and Ike's by the gallon. Can you can you get hungry, please? Hunger shouldn't be your issue. Mike's sites are awesome, though. Mike and Ike's, I love those. They are love good. They are good. Who will sit courtside next? Start pool or clay? Who's gonna sit courtside next? Dwelly. He's Kyle. gonna go there by himself and be like, "What?" Actually, it's no, me. not Kyle. It's not gonna be Kyle. Kyle's in, Kyle's embedded into the season. Uh, who is it gonna be? It's gonna be Debo and Ike again. These guys going on a rotation or Fred Warner? It'll be Fred Warner. I'm calling it Fred Warner. Federico. Start pool or clay. Start it won't be. Pool. It won't be uh, Nick Bosa. He's not gonna. He's not gonna go out and hang out in San Francisco for a night. Do you think he spends nights out in San Francisco? Like, hey, you wanna go to the city, guys? What a wonderful <laughs> world class city it is. I bet I like you if you would live in Danville. Ooh. Ooh. Probably live in Danville. I had a girlfriend from Danville for nine months when I was in college. She was cool, but her friends, oh, nothing against her friends if they're watching. But it's like, whoa, Danville, whole different, whole different area. And if you're from Danville, no, no disrespect, but wow. Niners need another impact DT, yes or no? I, too late. Dominicusu. It's funny how you mentioned that trade because I remember when we talked about when the trade deadline, I wrote, like, will they be active the trade deadline? And I said, the only way I can see them active is to get a defensive lineman because every year at the deadline, they've always acquired some sort of defensive lineman, Jordan Willis, uh, Charles Amenahu, and they've all proven fruitful in a role-player way. Um, so this year it was like, you know, maybe nothing materialized because I don't think anyone defensive line-wise got traded this year. Maybe maybe there was one, but, yeah, I thought, I thought that was kind of, like, odd that they didn't do that. Maybe the word's – banking on like okay kinlaw's down to come back armstead but it's like can you really depend on them because both of these players have the same injury where it's like it's not gonna get better it's not gonna get better one guy has a knee that just keeps flaring up the other guy has a foot that's might be worse yeah uh jck 510 says grant you're gonna get canceled for the second day in a row justice for damn i'll never forget <laughs> i went to uh, some party it was like this was the summer between freshman and sophomore year of college I was just starting to date this girl. I went to her party and they didn't, her friends didn't know me. I'm from Oakland. They're from Danville. It's two different places. And they, she introduced me and said, I'm from Oakland. And one of her girlfriends who was white said, oh, she's slumming it. What? Who talks like that? Like, wow. Like, first of all, no, she's not. Second of all, what? Are you sure? She's slumming it. She said that because she told you where you're from or because she saw your face and she was like, no, that's why she's slumming. (laughs) I'm a bank on the face. (laughs) Well, in in their defense at that time, I had a chin strap, a, like one of those faux hawk, mohawk type of things. Like everyone, like, Oh yeah. And I had like 13 millimeter cubic zirconia. So I was a joke. I was a walking joke at that point. Yeah. But still, I mean, I had a great personality. Eat a box of Mike and Ike's at the presser. Oh yeah, that's a good call. That's a good that's call. Um, that right, that's all I got for the show. For the press box food. But stop putting snacks. I'm tired of these brownies. You these stale brownies you guys put. Put some Mike and Ike's up here. Seriously? No, they have. Do they have Mike? I don't think they have Mike and Ike's at the games, but they do have Sour Patch Kids, which I like. Oh, I love Sour Patch Kids. I like Sour Patch Kids. I love them. Debo, step your game up. If you're gonna eat a thousand calories of uh, sugar at night. It's sour. Exactly, was kind of cool. That's because I love green. I love green. I thought. I thought the main thing was he. It matched his jacket, the Mike and Ice. It was clearly a snack and an accessory. And I've never really considered having a snack be an accessory, but I think that's next level drip, and I'm going to do it from now on. Well, it's like the same thing when you see people like I know some people who just have like the white or the red cup with like alcohol or whatever drink, and they'll just be like, "I just like holding it because it makes my outfit look better." I'm like, "What?" I've actually heard of people doing that. Like using yeah. using their drink as an accessory, and they just like take like three hours just to sip on it. 
It's dope. I'm going to do it now too. I'm going to no. have a gold drink in my hand next to No, you can't. You got to have a different tone. You're, you have a black undershirt. You got to have black, a black cup now. Good call. So. It's got, it's like, a, it's a highlight, right? It's like an accent. Yeah. Don't stack. Yeah. Don't, you're, at that point, you're going to be like the Thursday night color rushes. Come on. We got to have like some complimentary colors here. I love how Debo was eating it like, like straight box to mouth. Like, that's a, a good way of saying, like, don't ask me for any Mike and Ikes, Brandon. These are my Mike and Ikes. If you wanted some, you could have Honestly, brought some from home. That is that is a good point. It's like, ooh. Anyway, crushing them. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. I'll be back tonight with Jesse Naylor. See you later. After dark.